GainesvilleMedia.com. Video game makers believe that their products are starting to attract a whole new market. The voice of the gaming generation. The competition in this industry is so fierce, but we did manage to get a glimpse into the future. Real gaming opinions. The obvious question is, of course, how long will this smashing success last for video games? The last line of the next major gaming news. The GameZilla Podcast. Look, that comes one of the Welcome to the GameZilla Podcast, your last line of defense in major gaming news. I'm your host, Grim, and with me remotely, the Sir Butterboy himself. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I, I feel fancier when you use my full gamer tag of Sir Butterboy. Yeah. It, make, it makes me feel regal, and it makes me feel yeah. important. Like, I'm right, a knight. Well, I mean, I'm normally... A knight, I'm a knight of spread. Yeah, normally you're running around, like, in the nude, just dripping butter everywhere. But, like, when I say Sir Butterboy, I start to think about, like, when you're wearing, like, some armor, you know, maybe maybe you got a, maybe you got a little dagger on you. Not a sword because no one trusts you with a full-fledged sword, but, you know, one of those, like, one of those, like, plastic daggers that when, like, you put your hand on it, it retracts into the handle, you know, so that it looks like you're stabbing people. Like, we can't give, we can't give you too much, but, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, Sir Butterboy, you know. You know, when you talk about me running around naked, dripping with butter, and... Until you've had the experience of having a hot melted butter run down the small of your back and into your butt crack, you haven't lived. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, at least we both can be happy that we have experienced that. And uh, wait, what? Um, <laughs> that, that's well, friends. Oh, welcome to episode 367 of the GameZilla podcast, your last line of defense in gaming news. And yeah, this. Yeah, and this, I'm running it back. This episode is brought to you by our patrons. Our patrons slurping oh, hot, dear God. dripping butter from my body can be a perk. Oh, my butt crack. It can be a perk if you contribute enough. I don't know what that dollar amount is. Let's talk. Patreon.com slash GameZillaMedia. Start your patronage at just $1. It's, uh, that's it. That's the entry level. Uh, if you oh. get up that $5, that's the exclusive content level where you're going to get some cool bonus stuff from us here on the GameZilla podcast, as well as the Last Action Podcast and Noobs and Dragons, uh, our, our our friendly brothers making podcast at GameZillaMedia.com. And we are, we are bringing to you the perks here on our Patreon page. Plus, we have a live channel, Johnny Riot is live in the Patreon live stage here in the in our GameZilla Media Discord, hanging out, chatting with us in the little te- exclusive text chat while we record. So he has the opportunity to influence the show, ask us questions, and interject um, in- right here. So, influence cool. the show That's like perfect. influence the show like he says right now. Speaking of hot dripping butter, I want popcorn. Yeah, um, we can be popcorn pals, you and me. <laughs> Wow. Thanks, patrons. I'm not entirely sure why you give us your money, but we appreciate it because it keeps the doors open. Yeah, without you, we would <laughs> shutter this place in a heartbeat. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have to shutter it. You would have you would burn it down, basically. So uh basically, guys, what I'm saying is all, all the patrons pay for our legal fees to keep the doors open because of all the mistakes that Butterboy makes. Yeah, I'm uh I'm a walking lawsuit waiting to happen. Waiting to happen has happened time and time again, but you know, again, patrons pay the legal bills, so there we go. Bless you, bless you for keeping me out of prison. I'm not tough. I can't handle prison. 
All right, guys, we do have a show for you this week. Uh, we got three topics that we're going to focus on today, and I will uh, I'll kick it off here with the first topic, and then we'll let uh, we'll let Butterboy handle take it the rest of the way. But uh, first first news topic tonight is the the Nvidia leak that uh, happened basically due to uh, cyber attacks. So we've had, uh, as they're calling it, the mother of all cyber attacks has hit NVIDIA and all sorts of data has been uh, leaked out. But the piece that we want to focus on today is the Switch Pro trends on social media after the leak, uh, reigniting the speculation that we are on the verge of a new Nintendo system. That being either a Switch Pro or possibly a, a, the next generation of Nintendo system, call it a, the Super Switch or Switch 2 or hopefully not, but the Switch U, or maybe it's something that doesn't even have the word Switch in it. I don't know, but the uh, the talks have been have now started up because of this leak, and basically what happened was the um, the leaks included some talks about NVN2, which um, Seems to be like a graph, the graphics API for what what they're calling the Switch Pro, for lack of a better name right now. I think Super, yep. I think Super Switch is still better, but we'll I call it Super Switch. <laughs> we'll call it Switch Pro for now, um, which is based on the Ampere um, uh, with ray tracing and does support DLSS 2.0, and so it basically it's a much more powerful chip that is connected to Nintendo in these leaks for testing. Uh, basically, uh, for a new a new device, be it be it a successor, be it just a upgraded version, what whatever. Considering they're they're claiming the Nintendo Switch is halfway through its life cycle, you know, we still don't we still don't fully understand if this is a next generation, you know, device that is still years away, or if this is you know a a facelift like a PS4 Pro or Xbox One X was, but um. Either way, obviously, Twitch and, and all their social media outlets have just taken this and, and just rolled with it for sure. But um, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on, on this so far with the with the leak and, and the... I mean, guys, it's not mind-blowing that NVIDIA and Nintendo are working on something. <laughs> because, not like, yeah, that part of it doesn't surprise me at all. Um and there's nothing in this leak that necessarily tells me that it's six months away, that it's a year away, that it, and it's not, you know, other than the fact of, like, they're, they're running a chip that has some technology in it that if this was a three-year, you know, if this was supposed to be used in three years, it, that would be, they'd be way behind already, you know? So, like, I mean, that's the only tell, I guess, really about this is, like, you feel like it's sooner than later because this technology right now is impressive, especially to be put into a, hand, a handheld but in three years, it won't be. It'll be archaic. So, which is yeah, it? I is mean, it typical Nintendo that likes to <laughs> likes to put in the the cheapest some of the cheapest stuff in their systems that's been out for a long time, or or are they are they really trying to step up and and produce a, a little bit more of a uh, power a power uh, you know powerful system here. Well, as we sit here and record this, today is the five-year anniversary of the first time we stepped out on the Great Plateau playing our first Nintendo Switch game, Breath of the Wild. So the, the Switch is five years old today, so happy birthday, Nintendo Switch. I'll happy plug birthday. the Switch on 
on five years of making us very happy as a great gaming system. Eh, but four years. Th- it's the, four years? I thought it was 2017. I'm just saying the first four years were good. This last year was kind of oh, yeah. hot garbage. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to stop you on that one. 18, 19, 20. Yeah, okay. I did the math right. Uh, so... We're at that. We're at that point, though, isn't that? Isn't it usually about five years into a cycle? Uh, you start hearing about what could potentially be the next piece of hardware. Again, we could still be. My guess is um, a full year to a year and a half away from a hardware release. Uh, we did originally get that March release from the Switch because we know it was sort of a shotgun panic release after the failure of the Wii U. They had to get hardware out, otherwise uh, they were in some real hot water. So. We could see something brought back to more like November 23, holiday 23 release for a new Switch system. I wouldn't be surprised by that one bit. Um, but but we're, 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 in, we're in the right zone for there to be a rumor mill. And, and I, this has to be the next uh, generation of Switch. Uh, you know, hopefully it would be backwards compatible. Hopefully it's still going to like the Switch has been great. It ha- so it hopefully has it to is be. It has to be. Switch adjacent. <laughs> Um, but it, yeah, if this is a full new device that isn't switch like, uh, it, I'm going to be very confused. Uh, so you just, you just had like, we're, this can't be a half measure. This can't be a switch pro at this point. You can't run hardware that was old the day it was released in, in, in the sense of what the standards for video game industry with hardware, obviously the switch was revolutional and amazing for, uh, you know, full AAA experiences on the go, but we've only seen that that graphical and capability gap grow. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that here in one of the other sections that I'm going to be leading for us today about some issues with the Switch's graphical capability. So it can't be a half measure. It can't be a a um you know PlayStation 4 Pro or an Xbox One uh, X situation. We do need the next generation of Switch, and it damn well better have the same cartridge slots and play the same games. Because I'm tired of having to leave all my stuff behind. Yeah. Same eShop, better all be the same. Yeah, like we can't we can't keep going through this like this like relaunch, right? Every time we get a new Nintendo system, it's like, all right, we're gonna just re- we're doing it all over again, and then it gets and then it gets all super messy, and then we're doing it all over again, like. The, the, there is a couple problems here, though. The current Switch uh, read-write speeds are abysmal. They're, they're god-awful. And so, especially considering when you start to look at the fact that now the PS5 and the Xbox Series X are Gen 4 NVMEs, and, you know, we're, and we're starting to come up with these, like, where there's, there's no load times, we can, we can buffer multiple programs at one time and flip between them, you know, instantly, you know, and it's just like, then you go and no, not knocking Breath of the Wild for what an amazing, uh, you know, development to make that game work on this device was. But at the same time, like you play it right now and you start to feel these load times and you're affected by it now. Like you, before you forgave it because, it, it, yes, it was there. But like, you know, you, when you jumped on your PS4, or your Xbox One. You also dealt with it. Now, now people have been so trained. If you're into that next generation, you know the current generation, we've already we've already adapted to it. Where I've gone back to use my PS4 a couple times, and I'm like, oh my god, this is awful. <laughs> like I, <laughs> so we're and, spoiled. We're so spoiled yeah. now. And the Switch is in that pro- is in that situation right now where it's like you have to improve the internal storage. 
And then you have to improve, like, and and Super uh, super Lars, my buddy Super Lars and I were actually talking about this last night. We were like, what is the read-write speed of these custom, these, these you know, uh, um, proprietary cards that, cartridges that Nintendo's using? And for the life of us, we actually couldn't find the details. I don't know if, like, Nintendo has publicly, you know, released this information and if people are allowed to talk about it. But, like, the internal read-write speed is, like, 400 megabytes. Mm. Like Gen three NVMe is like you could get two gigabytes, and we're on Gen four, which is like five, six, seven gigabytes. So like you're sitting there under half a gig of read write speed, and you know if you're gonna put out a more powerful system like backwards compatibility, whatever you know these games are gonna need these games. The backwards compatibility side of it, the games that I already have should run better on a new system. That's just that's just common sense. But the new games that are going to be more powerful, there's no way they can they can do that and support that type of read write speed. So like when we start talking about the new the new chipset here, the new the new um, what are they calling it the T T two thirty four sock, um, which is is kind of, is like the new the new setup that well I don't want to say the new setup but the rumored like. Uh, code name and everything when it comes to the to the sock for for this chip and it all all of this has to come into play where it's like yes that's going to be more powerful yes it could technically support ray tracing and dlld um oh my god i'm i'm moving too fast dls uh why did my mind just go blank dlss 2.0 that's what i was going for um technology and so you know, all that's true, but at the same time, we've never had a, a Nintendo system that figured out internal storage. So, and now we're in, oh, we're not, right. yeah, now we're in this boat that's like SD cards are kind of, they're, they're done. You know, the protocols of SD cards have kind of hit, they're like, yeah, they still exist. And yeah, you can get really big ones and, you, you know, you can get, you can get what we, what we consider a fast SD card, which in the grand scheme of things is a slow read write speed. Uh, in the in the overall grand scheme of like loading games and storing games and being able to pull assets, so like that whole infrastructure has to change. Yet somehow you still need backwards compatibility, and so that's what like that's the interesting part. And, I, and hopefully Nvidia and Nintendo are working on this and they're figuring it out and 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 it all works. But I just I hate it because there's no track record in the history of Nintendo. That tells me that they're going to be able to make this work. <laughs> I know that that's the concerning thing is we are now, especially with what we've been given by Microsoft and Sony, th this transition from uh, PlayStation four to PlayStation five and Xbox one to Xbox series systems, them being sort of a cohesive ecosystem that just feels like a hardware upgrade is the standard now. And, yeah. and Nintendo, you should be able to give us something comparable. I, I would be frustrated, especially because I buy my games physically. I'd be frustrated if it's like, hey, uh, you're not going to be able to play the physical games in the new Nintendo hardware. It'd be frustrating. But if they're like, yeah, but you can still play your downloaded games like that's it. That's better than nothing. Like I, I, I would take what I'm handed at that point, especially if the Switch cartridge is a, a hardware limitation that they will need to overcome to be able to continue to advance uh, the actual quality of gameplay that we're going to get uh, on, on the next system. So I, I, we really went down like a hypothetical rabbit hole on this, but 
damn, this stuff, this stuff need they need to get this right. Yeah, and I know that they'll be successful despite in spite of themselves. Even if they don't do this right, they'll still sell a hundred million of whatever this next system is. But well, I mean, geez, we say we we tough. say that, but at the same time, the Wii sold a hundred million, and then the Wii U happened. So like the Nintendo is fully capable of of completely crapping themselves, and I don't. And the other thing that's very interesting, and in, and in, uh, I had this conversation last night, is if Nintendo does drop the ball here, if they if they can't get it right and it's too expensive, the, there's the bottlenecking around some from some aspects of it, right? That it could be the and, and I know we've said it time and time again, it could fi- be the end. Of Nintendo, and and this is why. And Super Lars and I talked about this last night. When the Wii U happened and and crashed and burned, they still had the DS, and they still dominated in the DS market. They have merged those two markets together and created the Switch to to basically save themselves. And though they sold a ton of them and they made a lot of money, the problem is that. If you crap the bed on in this system, you don't have two markets anymore. You have the one market that is the hybrid market. You know, a lot of people will argue that that they gave up on the home market and they made a handheld that just has home accessories. You know, there was a time where you could take a PS a, a PSP and a PS Vita and you could hook it to your TV. You know, like that's kind of what they did here. They made a really cool handheld device that most people really, really enjoy handheld. And then they said, well, yeah, you can put it in this dock and it will play on the TV. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you really don't have any wiggle room here. If you crash and burn, you don't, ha- you can't sit there and, 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 you know, ride the coattails of, of your, your, your Game Boy, your DS, your, you know, whatever line over here. Cause that's gone. And so, you know, they really have to come out here and whatever the successor is to the switch has to be perfect. Um, and, I, and they have, and that's I, I agree. That's, that's a good assessment and a good point. The fact that, you know, they're reliant on this being their, the core of their business at this point. But I, I also think that they, they learned greatly from the failures of the Wii U and they've learned greatly from the success of the switch. And I, I do have continued confidence that Nintendo will have success in this next generation. I mean, I hope they like. I hope they learned. You know, I mean, and and things like that. But I mean, we. It, this isn't the first like. When we can go back, we can look at the Virtual Boy, right? Arguably a bigger failure, maybe not financially, but a bigger failure than the Wii U was. But yeah. you know, like it, it happens to to ev- it happens to all of them. It's happened. You know, it happened to some companies that never recovered. You know, like Sega. It's happened to uh, PlayStation, and they've rebounded. And, and it looks like you like you said they learned from it, and they you know they've done a pretty good job at recovering from a very difficult start with the PS3 after a huge success of the PS2, and clearly not it not clicking. So. Um, you know, that to me, you have a system here in that use like our current switch uses, uh, what the Tegra X one, uh, mm-hmm. chipset. And we're, and now we're talking about the, the Orin, uh, which, it, which is the, um, oh God that has, anyways, it's, it's the new chipset, uh, code name. I don't, I don't know if it's official, officially that name right now, but that's what they're calling it. So, I mean, you're talking about something that had, uh, uh, the Tegra X1 had two billion 
sock transistors in it, right? And, and we're getting nerdy here, but like just 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 a little bit. I don't normally get into numbers, but I do want to point out something like two billion on a mm -hmm. on, and and the Orin has seventeen billion. To see that type of up, just just number wise, to, to think about that type of upgrade, yeah. you know. Um, so it's it's stuff like that. But the the here's the here's the concern or here's the thought around this though. When is this device coming out? Because if everyone believes that this is truly the successor of the Switch, and Nintendo in their brain is like, well, we're halfway through this. This Switch is the Switch is going to last for ten years, because they're saying we're halfway. It's five years old. So Nintendo's looking at it as a 10-year life, life cycle. Now let's say they want to do a, a two-year overlap. So now we're talking eight years, so we still have three more years, right? We already have Atlan, which is the, is the technology past Orn that NVIDIA is already talking about. So that's the example, is that Orn at $17 billion and all this stuff sounds really cool, but in the three years, it's, it is Tegra X1 again. And so when you are a handheld device or a hybrid device that, I mean, we have to, we have to agree. There's no way Nintendo can go back and say we're a home-only home console ever again. They've handcuffed themselves into this hybrid world. They ha there's no leaving it. So I, I don't think so. Yeah, without, I, without, I failing, without failing. Without failing. Because they, they've carved out a niche that's incredible. Yeah. And exactly. And so, right, exactly. They've, uh, they've once again found a, 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 an area that is unique to Nintendo and really no one's competing against them. You know, you got you got like Steam Deck and all these other people that are trying to put something out there to like kind of be like it. And I mean, let's be honest, most of them are hot garbage at this point. But anyways, it, it has to be handheld. It has to be pop, more powerful and it can't. And, and so when we talk even a couple years, like if this isn't, a Super Switch, a Switch Pro. Like, if you are really believing that your system is going to last another five years, there is no way in hell you can't do a facelift on it. There's no way. There's no way the PS4 Pro, the Xbox One X type effect, can't, it has to happen for Nintendo. You cannot maintain the Switch where it's at right now. Obviously, we've already talked time and time again that the current chip that's in these Switches is discontinued anyways. So how, what do you, 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 have, you must have an, a, you know, a, a uh, surplus of these chips to continue to make product, but like, what, you have a game plan here, and the game plan I just can't imagine is Switch 2 in three to five years. I, I can't imagine it. It, it just can't happen. Uh, it, it can't. And, and here's here's a, a glaring fact of why it absolutely factually cannot go on that long. If you play Nintendo's most recent big release, Pokemon Legends Arceus, uh, you can see the frame rate issues in that game that is in no way cutting edge. You you can't you can't continue to use hardware that's this out of date to develop games when the games you're developing now in 2022 are in some small regards having issues running the game. Yeah, exactly. And so, so you, can't, you can't push this out three more years. It, yeah. It's 
You so, can't do it. So my belief here, with Orin being being something that already exists, with Ampere being being a architecture that we're already familiar with, you know, with all these things, to me, this screams that it is the delayed or or this or maybe it was planned this way, but to but probably delayed due to part shortages and COVID and everything that's happening. This is your Switch Pro, your Super Switch, whatever it is, and it is not technically the next generation of Nintendo. It is the, we are, you know, pushing our hardware to the absolute limits right now. And it needs that. It, we need that uptick and boost. We also need to release this because the parts that we use to currently build our switch don't exist anymore. So, I mean, you know, you have to do something here. And then I think, you know, if they're, if they're doing it the right way, what this is is just is the same thing the Xbox One X was. It is literally people are gonna people will eat it up, people will buy it, games will run smoother. Um, you know, they'll be able to developers will be able to put, push a little bit harder onto the system, but really it's a beta test for whatever they are developing with NVIDIA already for its true successor in the Switch 2 or whatever, you know, whatever the thing's gonna be called when that time comes. And so the Switch Pro or whatever you want to look at it is going to is that shorter lifespan just like the Xbox One X and PS4 Pro were. And it's just it is it is that it's that baby step that they need to kind of hold off hold hold off and be able to develop um and be able to push technology a little bit further, allow prices to come down a little bit more, you know, allow battery technology to get a little bit better, you know, all these things that they have to worry about because they're a hybrid they're a hybrid device that, you know, um some of that stuff PlayStation and Xbox didn't have to worry about, and they still have manufacturing issues. So, um, it's going to be interesting, but I think this leak is for a baby step, you know, facelift of the current gen for Nintendo. It, it is uh, this, if this is truly information for the next gen and Nintendo is literally going to, you know, milk, milk their cash cow. Like they, let's be honest. They always do. Okay. They always do. Then we're, we're we're already experiencing what you just said, which is Nintendo burnout, in my opinion. Where a new Pokemon game came out, and I actually looked at it and was like, "Yeah, that looks kind of interesting." And then I just watched it, and I was like, "It just it doesn't look good." Like <laughs> like I watched people stream this, and I was like, "God!" Like you know. And then no offense, and I know some people haven't experienced this. Lucky, lucky, lucky them. But I am sick and tired of Joy-Con issues and 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 all that stuff. Like as as much praise as people want to give the Joy-Con, the Joy-Con's a god awful controller in the grand scheme of just reliability. You know, we didn't give any, we didn't give the Xbox 360 a pass with the red ring of death. We didn't give these passes to these people, to these devices, these uh, this hardware that had major problems. And the Joy-Con, I mean, there's literally class action lawsuits against how bad this stuff is. And everyone I know, except for Johnny Riot, he's the luckiest man alive, luckiest man in the world, luckiest man in our in our Patreon Live Discord channel that has never experienced drift. Everyone else I know has experienced drift, and most of them have had to send their Joy-Cons to Nintendo, and it's just, it's ridiculous. I've gotten to the point where I have Joy-Cons with drift, I just throw them in a drawer. Like, I, I'm just done. I just don't care. So 
Nintendo's at that point right now that for me it's a breaking point. I don't play my Switch anymore. You know, I will buy my my Mario Strikers. You know, uh, when it comes out, because I do love, you know, I've been waiting for how long for that game to come out. So they'll get me with that just like they got me with Metroid. But like, I don't put any extra time into that device because that device has fallen so far behind that I just don't enjoy it the way I used to. Yeah, you also don't leave your house like you used to. And I know that there's been there's been months on end I've barely touched my Switch because I used to play it every day when we'd go to the office. So True. Yeah. Um so I mean that that's definitely a big factor for us and it has to be a big factor for a lot of people who have multiple gaming options. I mean, you have every gaming option. I have the majority of gaming options, you know what I mean? So sometimes when you're at home Playing a, a game on Switch that kind of looks like ass, uh, you know, maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you want to play something pretty on your HD, on your 4K TV. So it's uh, it's super understandable that the, the Switch doesn't have as the same legs uh, when you're not enjoying the the portability of it. Yeah. And I mean, you're right. But even, even so, like uh, coming up right before uh, COVID did strike, more and more I was exploring... Project X Cloud. I was exploring, you know, d- different things that I could that I could leverage to play games. And sure, I still brought my Switch because because it was my handheld device for gaming, de- dedicated gaming device. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just for me, everything I just said here, without without going through a whole circle of it, Nintendo has a lot to consider when it comes out of this out of the, whatever it brings from this leak, whatever they're working on with NVIDIA, which again, when a new system comes out, uh, that manufacturer is already working on their next system. Like we all know the cycles, right? Like it, that's how it works. So the fact that like this isn't, the fact that Nintendo and NVIDIA are talking about a chip, it's not shocking at all. Now the question is, is when does when is this chip going to be utilized? And I think it's sooner than later in my opinion. And it needs to be sooner than later and but it needs we see the power boost to stabilize these these recent games that have been running bad we need to see a uh, mem- we need to see better speeds on mem- on storage storage is my big question if you're going to release a switch pro or a super switch or whatever you're going to call it like revolutionize the storage now so that way when the next gen does come out you know, you already have kind of worked through some of this transition piece of like, of however you're going to do it, right? And I think one piece is your cartridges need to dump. And, and the only way you're going to do this is by having like a NVMe soldered into the Switch. And then I still think you should have an expansion slot like the Xbox Series does where it's an NVMe-like slot, but maybe it's proprietary since Nintendo loves to be proprietary. They, they, they team up with, you know, with a Seagate or something like that, just like Xbox did. And they make, they make a little, you know, special thing that you slide into your, your pro switch or whatever. And, uh, and you can expand it. But the idea is that that cartridge, the cartridge speeds can't be great on, on the, on the Nintendo switch cartridge currently. So it needs to dump the assets off into a, into a, a, you know, a good storage system. And then, that your cartridge just acts as a key. It's it's just it's just a licensing key, you know. 
And then obviously for the people that don't want to do cartridges, then you buy it digitally or whatever, right? But but for the people that still want to buy physical items and you don't want to necessarily get rid of your cartridge slot, then they just it needs to dump. Like you got to build a storage system inside the Switch that allows you to dump the card so that you're not running off the card. Yeah. I mean, that's what yeah, we do it, now. We buy these discs for, for our Xbox and our PlayStations. They don't run off the disc. Like, like maybe, maybe 10% of the game runs off that disc. Everything else gets dumped into the hard drive. Or, or sorry, the solid state. Not, not a hard drive anymore. Yeah, and I mean, I know a lot of people have complaints about their, the, the, their nothing, there being nothing on the actual disc, and it's just a key... Um, but if Nintendo does things right with upgrading the, the eShop and continuing, uh, a long running ecosystem, it's not a big deal. It's only a problem that the individual media that you own is only a key when Nintendo does stupid Nintendo things like shut down the eShop, like we're seeing right now with the Wii U and, and the 3DS. So if Nintendo can commit to long-term uh, support of an eShop ecosystem, it's less imperative to have the actual game information on the physical media you the, buy. The problem is, is that name one eShop that you've used in the last 10 years that you would want to keep running in the sense of like, it's a good eShop. It's designed well. It it runs smooth. It loads fast. Like there there isn't one. Even the Switch one has gotten to the point where it's not enjoyable to even navigate. It it needs an overhaul. And the part of the problem is what we say every time is, though. Yeah. It will the it's got way too much garbage. Like Nintendo will let you put anything on there, so it's impossible to find anything that is actually good, but it uh it is so bare bones that I, I never look for anything that's either not the specific game I know mm-hmm. I wanted exactly. or I scroll through the sales. I never look through any of the other areas because exactly. there's just way too much and it's just complete chaos. But when I when I'm saying like the preservation of the eShop, I, I more or less mean like for it to continue to grow and support uh backwards compatibility. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and I understand, and and the problem is, is that Nintendo has like two approaches to this, right? They sit there and they go, "Okay, well, you buy Nintendo Online, and we're going to give you access to this we- these these libraries that that expand when we decide we want to expand them." But you're going to get these libraries, and then, but then we're going to also offer like some weird random stuff that actually is like a one time buy in the store and stuff. And and I think Johnny Riot brings up a good point. Like he liked the Wii U shop the most. Well, I liked the Wii Wii U shop also because you logged into the Wii U shop and it was like you had your icons, right? It was like here's Wii U, here's Wii, here's Game Boy Advance, here's Nintendo. Like it, like it was just like they had it broken up. They had categories. It it worked. I think the reason why the Wii U shop, why we all like it, the, like a lot of us like it the best, is that it didn't exist long enough. And, and expand. It wasn't as it wasn't successful enough to for, for Nintendo to muddy the waters and, and ruin it. Because I feel like I feel like when the Switch first came out, I was like, okay, this eShop feels you know is promising. And now I'm like, this eShop sucks. <laughs> like, like so. And I mean, the the backwards compatibility has to happen. And and they but and they have to figure out like. We said, like, I feel like a broken record, man. We said this when the Switch came out too, and and 
you know, we were confused by the way that the the approach they took with this, and we're like, okay, well, they're you know they're gonna build this Game Pass like type thing with their back library. That's genius because no one has a back library like Nintendo, and then they didn't. They like they did it for like a little bit, and then they were like, all right. Now we don't know what we're gonna do, and we're not gonna tell you. But we'll figure it when we figure it out. We'll figure it out, and then they come out and they're like, "All right, yeah, now you're gonna get Nintendo 64, but only if you upgrade your your online to like a plus version," which didn't go over well, right? So like, I don't know, man. I I, I really like it's so hard to look at Nintendo and be like, expect a uh, grand slam over and over again because i feel like when when we look back at nintendo it's like it's just up and down up and down and partially it's because they like to shoot themselves in the foot with just really weird decision making that like you know i'm not sitting here saying that i'm this brilliant person that should be a ceo of of you know of of a uh you know uh top 500 organization but like if i'm sitting here and looking at this with like super confused feelings on it like I just don't get how you keep doing it. And like people can argue like, well, Nintendo keeps making money. I'm like, right. But you know what? The Wii U almost sank them. You can make all the money you want. But when you but when you finally screw up and you screw up big enough, you're done. And so the comment I made at the beginning of this of, of this thing. Was. They don't have the DS to save their ass this time when they release a Switch U. They cannibalized their two markets into one market. They own the hybrid market now. They can't leave the hybrid market. So when they fuck up the hybrid market, what saves them? Good point. Nothing. They could go, they could go down. So, I don't know. We'll see. This leak was interesting because it because I mean this conversation we're having was led from obviously just the Nvidia leak from the cyber attack, but um, you know it has brought up all the talks about Switch Pro and all this stuff again. And so getting into this and really and it's funny though the way that I'm thinking about Switch right now and the way that I'm thinking about these things that we just talked about, I've never I didn't think about them the last time like when we were talking about the switch aging and things like that, like I have a, I have a different view on it and it's a concerned view because I do like Nintendo and you know, I don't want to see them go the way of Sega. Uh, but, but like, I also started to think about the track record and I'm just like, man, they really have to, they have to really like, they have to nail this. They don't have the wiggle room that they used to have. And, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And this this Switch Pro is going to be what it's really going to be is a glimpse of their plan, like of their plan. Right? We're gonna we're literally going to see a a slight like sliver of what Nintendo is thinking about that that in theory would happen two to three years after whatever we get here. So if we get the Pro in twenty twenty three. You know, we hear about it near the end of this year, and then we get it in 2023. Then, you know, what, 2025 to 2026? Is, is, we're, we're literally at that point of, like, what is Nintendo going to do? And it's going to be their biggest, it's, it's going to be one of the biggest decisions of that company's existence because 
Before this, they had the Game Boy market and they had the home market all the way. They had the DS market and they had the Wii market all the way. This is the first time where we're going to watch what happens now that Nintendo doesn't have that, that backup to fall on. And mobile ain't going to cut it. You're right. I at least hope not, because, God, do I... <laughs> yeah, I don't want mobile to cut it. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Anyways, we, uh, we just spent almost 40 minutes on our first topic, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop now. That, that went way longer and way more intense than I expected, but Butterboy does have some topics to get into, so take it away. Yeah, I have a couple things. Uh, certainly, one of them is going to be a little bit shorter one of them uh, maybe slightly lengthier but these are going to be quicker for sure um all right so the first thing is the xbox series systems in its short uh what is it 15 month of life that the xbox series systems have had have already outsold the xbox one in japan so I have some, I have some figures here in front of me. And now famously, everyone knows that the Xbox market in Japan is basically non-existent. Uh, no one, no one plays Xbox in Japan. Uh, Nintendo and Sony have their, their mitts strongly around the throat of the Japanese gaming market. And a lot of that also shows in the type of games that typically are produced by Xbox studios and put on Xbox platforms. They're games that's more appealing to me, a Western gamer, than someone that likes Japanese games. So the original Xbox uh, had a, a decent success in Japan, selling just under half a million units. The Xbox 360 is still the best-selling uh, system to date for Microsoft in Japan, with selling uh, 1,600,000 units. So... Still not a lot, you know, when you compare to the lifetime sales of that. The Xbox One only sold 114,000 units, and uh, the Xbox Series systems have officially passed that with 142,000 units sold in Japan. So uh, it's just interesting that the seven-year life of the Xbox One has already been eclipsed in just over a year by the Xbox Series systems. And when you read the, you know, the articles out about this, it's like, oh, Xbox is doing amazing in Japan. Like, no, it would still be a failure in any other market to have numbers that low. But to me, it's very interesting that Xbox has sold at least well in comparison to their last generation. And my theory on that is because of the difficulties of getting a PlayStation. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say is, is it, is it actually them growing, growing a, a real uh, market there? Or is it the fact that people that are waiting for the PS five just are impatient and they can get a hold of an Xbox. So they do. That that's that's what I think makes sense because I feel like those figures wouldn't be that high if PlayStation 5s are readily available in Japan. Because yes, Game Pass is an appealing product and we love it here in the States, but so many of the games that are produced for the Japanese audience are released on Sony systems. So it, it, it is surprising. I mean, again, 142,000 units is still not a lot, but it's just the fact that it's still it's an uptick over their last generation, but that that's the only rhyme and reason that I can put behind it is it's just, it's still supply issues. And they, if you could probably walk into a Japanese electronics store and find an Xbox series system. And if you want a, a next gen experience, well, I guess this is what's available to you. Yeah. 
No, I, I I think that plays a big factor here for sure. And I mean, I know Xbox is trying to expand their uh, you know their game selection to to uh, meet other markets' demand in things like uh, bringing you know Fantasy Star to their to their uh, system and and signing and bringing in some uh, JRPGs and stuff like that. But you know, it's still it's still going to be incredibly hard when when PlayStation like that's PlayStation's home. You know, it's it's still going to be a difficult play. Like, like, hey, the Detroit Lions suck ass. But you know what's sold out almost every week with the majority of Lions fans? Ford Field. Okay? So yes, it's kind of hard to come in there and take that away from Lions fans. And we got one of the worst teams in the history of the NFL. So, you know, it's that same example of, like, you can do whatever you want, Microsoft, but it's not your home. And it never will be. And as long as PlayStation's there, it's an uphill battle that you're always going to fight. So do I want to see you do sim, you know, semi-well? Yeah, sure. I want to see you do decently well because I'd like to see you continue to bring some of that content over to the Xbox platform for me. You know, I don't necessarily care if you're successful in Japan or not. I just like, you know, I was waiting seven years for Fantasy Star Online 2 to come out, and then it finally did, you know? And so, like... um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I think um, it's interesting that they're, that they're still fighting for that market. And, and I mean, I guess, I guess when you have the resources that Microsoft has, maybe, maybe it's not a big deal for them to continue to uh, burn money over there. But uh, yeah, I, I don't ever see them really making a footprint over there. The, the thought of even spending money to localize uh, games like I, I don't even know what they do. You know what I mean? Like how many Xbox Studio games get localized for Japan, or people in Japan just playing the English versions? Like that's what I wonder. Because with that player base, just let's count this generation. That's not even a, a quarter of a million players available in Japan. Is it worth localizing things of the Japanese language that not even a quarter of a million people would play? Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's if everyone bought the game. That's if you've released one game that everyone across the Xbox One and the Xbox Series systems purchase. So yeah, like, yeah, so is it worth is it worth localizing a game for 3000 people to play? No. I don't, probably not. The answer I, the I answer is definitely no. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would think. So, you're right. It, it seems like it's a lost cause, but uh, I mean, if you're Microsoft, you don't want to concede and just stop selling your systems in you know, what what is traditionally been a a very popular ground for creativity and 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 life in the video game industry so yeah but i guess i mean you still you you have to develop ips that will matter in those in those you know areas of the world and i just you're not doing it like you can buy what you want to buy and and all this type of stuff and it'll help here and there like buying bethesda will help but like you know i mean but those games are so Western, you know. I don't know. You like, want to you want to make an impact? Go buy Square Enix and then and then and make it make everything Xbox exclusive. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, like I mean, that, that's, that's really the they're going to that, do it. That's your move. That's it. <laughs> You've proven you can't do it any other way. <laughs> they would they would have to buy a major. Go studio. buy Capcom. Go buy Capcom and Square Enix and and watch watch your market you know grow over there. Yeah, it's it's the only way. It's the only way they're going to do it is they they'd have to capture an entire studio that's already famously popular and successful in Japan 
And even that, how much is that going to move the needle? Is that just really just murdering that company? Well, as Johnny Ryan says, like Square Enix never lives up to their own expectations, which is true. I'm I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you, but like the only way you're really going to make a footprint is you, you clearly have proven you cannot develop games that matter in Japan or that side of the world for the most part. And so the only thing you're going to do is buy Capcom so you can get Monster Hunter, right? Because that's huge over there. It's, you know, it's a big it's a big franchise period, but like it's big time over there. You can get a hold of Street Fighter that way, big, right? And so like like that's what you need to do. And then like Square Enix, like I just bring up Square Enix because of Final Fantasy. You know, it's still a franchise that the name still like it's, as much as we want to like hate or love on this thing, depending on <laughs> depending on the game that drops this next week, every other week. Um, you you know, there's people that love that name. There's people that 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 will still you know o- that will always support that name and. Uh, you know, that that's that's the move they need to make. That I'm, I guess I'm a little, you know, I mean, I named two companies that maybe right now just don't want to sell. They they're not interested in being bought. But like, you bought you bought Bethesda. You're attempting to buy Activision. Like you're you're not really showing any fear of spending crazy amounts of money. Why not try to tap into that market a little bit that you've been that you've been bleeding money into for the for the last. What, 15 years? 20 years? Or just keep selling 150,000 units and being like, well, at least we're over there. I, I don't know what the call is. We're, uh, we're in Japan. <laughs> yeah. I guess. All right. Well, let, let us know in the Discord if you... Uh... If you have any thoughts on Microsoft's uh, lack of success in Japan, would love to talk to you about. It, especially if you are a fan of Japanese style games, what is uh, what does Xbox have that's uh, that's appealing to you? Congrats on the Series X, though, for for being top seller. Um, well, not of all time, but for uh, taking over Xbox uh, Xbox One in the first year of what slightly slightly longer like. First year and a half of its a year life. And a half. Yeah. yeah, year and a half of its life. We'll round up. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's still good to see. Again, it's it's yeah. the Xbox series systems are selling, which love to see. Uh all right. And uh the the biggest news, like solidified actual factual bona fide news, not sales figures, not rumors of a new switch and when it's coming. The biggest thing to happen this week is we had a Pokemon direct. Last, uh, I think it was Friday morning, where they showed off the new generation of Pokemon coming fall 2022. We are now months away. It's coming out this year. Pokemon Generation 9 has been announced. Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. Uh, It's been confirmed that this will be more of an open world Pokemon experience. And based on the trailer that they released, it it does look like it's taking a lot of um, a lot of stuff from Pokemon Legends Arceus that we're uh, we just got. A in lot January. of stuff. <laughs> it's the same game with a different skin on it. For the love of God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It uh, it more than likely is we. So we don't know the actual mechanics or solidified exactly how you're going to traverse the world. Uh, I'm personally hoping it's more open world akin to. Actual, uh, a real open world game where uh, Legends Arceus is open world in the sense of there's giant areas of the map that you can explore, but you 
can't traverse from area to area. Um, so I yeah. am hoping this is more of a true open world experience. Uh, the it original won't be. rumors. <laughs> hey, let me have hope. It's running on the same switch that's running your game that you just talked about that literally can't run well. Yeah, but let me they have hope. They have to have they have to have loading walls, and so that game can actually so the switch doesn't melt in your hands. Listen, listen. If you watch the trailer for Scarlet and Violet, oh, I watched okay? it. If you watch it and you watch when they pan over some windmills and you see that the frame rate drops when these windmills <laughs> are spinning, you gotta ha- you gotta let me have some faith, okay? I can't I can't live in that reality knowing it's gonna be bad. Right, but what you just explained tells me why you shouldn't have faith at all. Like it's mis- it's faith. it's misplaced, man. It's misplaced. It's just the windmill. It's There's... not that big a deal. The world's gonna be fine. No, if the windmill can't function, the world is gonna be fine, man. No, it's gonna be good. Yeah, that'd be like, uh, hey, you know, um, you know, the 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 fireplace is uh is has a fire in it, but but it's also shooting out of the front of the fireplace and engulfing my living room. It's fine. The fire belongs in the fireplace. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's not gonna spread. We're not gonna have problems. And then you're literally just dancing in the ashes of your of your house, being like, "Yeah, I got a new Pokemon game, baby. Let's go." That's all I want, man. That's all I want is for this game to be good. That's all I'm asking for. Uh, so they have announced that this is going to be a little bit closer. You know, turn uh, turn based battling systems available in uh, the the mainline Pokemon games, but you will continue to see. Pokemon active and living in the overworld. I don't believe we know if there's going to be any random encounters or not. I know in the last generation, there was sort of a hybrid of being able to physically see the Pokemon and random encounters, uh, where in Legends Arceus, there are no random encounters. You're seeing the Pokemon all the time. Uh, And the rumors prior to the game being shown off was that this was, this game was going to be based in Australia and it has come out that that is not the case. I am actually a little more excited about where this uh, this game is based because two of the locations that uh, that people believe are used for for the base of some of these cities in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet are two places that I've been in the last year. Mm. So uh, it's strongly believed that this is Portugal and Spain. Okay. And if you know, when, after people said that, I, I watched a, a breakdown by the Pokemon streamer A Drive where he was explaining some of this. And, and when they actually show off this areas in these cities and then the counterparts in the, the real places, I was like, oh, I've actually been to this specific place in Lisbon. And yes, this looks like that. Or they pointed out like landmarks in uh, Barcelona. They're like, yeah, this is model after they go, hey, I was just there. So um, that to me was super, super cool to see. Um, the region does look really pretty. It has a lot of tropical aspects in 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 some of it, you know, sort of reminding me of the Alola region. But uh, you know, it has lakes and mountains, and it it, it looks pretty enough for a Pokemon mm. game. But again, it's still not it's still not a, a a beautiful game. It to me graphically does look better than Sword and Shield, um, but it's still not going to be anything that's going to knock anyone's boots off. Um, I mean, I it's it's I, the I, it's the Arceus like overworld engine, like and Johnny Riot saying this in the chat too. I mean, you 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 literally, I saw the first like glimpse of this, and I was like, yeah, that's what it is. And mm-hmm. but I mean, 
with everything that we just talked about today with the Switch, like the problem I have is the hardware is now taking excitement away from me for some of the games. And that's that's a problem. Because I don't I don't necessarily have anything wrong with this game. But it should look better. And it and it's you know, and and yes, it was an early, early teaser trailer with some janky windmill windmills that could be corrected by the time we see them again. But that doesn't give you a, a good feeling in your gut when considering we're sitting here looking at games that are already out, not later this year, but are already out that have similar issues. And it's just the fact that the hardware can't can't run it the way that it really needs to be run. But other than that, yeah, the world looks cool. And I would say this game, it, I'm more excited about this game than Sword and Shield. But um, yeah, I'm I'm more excited for this than Sword and Shield as well. Yeah, I don't know. I just um, there's been I guess I guess for me like Pokemon, like I'm still waiting for that moment to poke for Pokemon to have this this thing happen. And what I will explain to you is. Growing up, I loved Mario, and I played Mario 1 and 2 and Mario 3, and I remember playing Super Mario World, and then I remember Mario 64. And I remember how it changed every aspect that I thought about when it came to what a Mario game was. And then we got things like Mario Galaxy, which was really neat, Mario 3D World, and whatever, right? I just, Pokemon hasn't had that, like, yes, it's expanded, and yes, because of technology, the worlds have gotten a little bit bigger, and, like, now, instead of random encounters, there's Pokemon walking, but, like, there's just, like, I've been waiting for just that moment where I truly felt like, oh, my God, this is the next, like, level of Pokemon, and I don't know, I just, I feel like we just play the same game. See, I, I think... I think the problem is, I think Pokemon's Mario 64 moment happened 10 years ago, and uh, you forgot about it. I think Pokemon X and Y, I think Generation 6, I think that was like a really big turning point for the series as they moved to the the 3D engine, and that was the the generation that caused me to fall back in love with Pokemon. Same, same. I had that moment. Yeah. So so I, I think that... It's not... That has already passed. I mean, yes, yes, and no, but like, like, okay. I mean, sure, we could sit there and say that that it rekindled our love for the game because of some advancements with the with the DS versus Game Boy. Okay, but we're on the Switch now. We're not on the DS anymore. So, like, well, Breath of the Wild just did it. You telling me there, like, Breath of the Wild just just did it. Revol- like, changed Zelda. Zelda did that too when it went from Nintendo to Super Nintendo. Zelda did it again when it went to Ocarina 64. Like it, it could, like a game that has this long of a history to have that to, for you to hold on to X and Y and say, "Well, it had that moment." It should have 3 of these moments. And it just doesn't. Instead, it has a lot of moments where we're like, "Well, we're going to play this game cuz we like cuz cuz it's Pokémon, but man, I hope the next one's different." And I was Sun and Moon. Right, and then Sword and Shield was supposed to be that game, and, and like, and we played it, and we we're like, well, hopefully the next one has, a, you know, has a, 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 a improves on this, 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 and this, and it's like, 
I don't know. I just, I, it, there just hasn't been that moment for me uh, on the Switch for Pokemon, and, and we're five years in. And how many Pokemon games in? See, I think if Arceus wasn't encumbered by its visual shortcomings, I will, I will say gross visual shortcomings. Like, there's, there's parts of that game that seems unalive and ugly. But I think the actual gameplay that came forward in Arceus is the closest to having that moment. Unfortunately, it's just inhibited by it not rising to the occasion graphically because I, because I really do think that the Arceus does feel fun and refreshing in a lot of regards, but you know, there's, there's certain aspects where if you watch, you watch the footage and you're already on the fence of going, I don't know if I want to play another Pokemon game. And you go, I don't know, looking at this almost hurts my eyes. Maybe I'm not going to play it. I think that is something that, that's, that caused that game to not be a revolutionary moment for the franchise. Right. But, and again, the only thing that stopped it was the hardware. It wasn't the development of the game. It, was, it wasn't the game. The game, yeah. the game was watered down in ways like you're explaining to to be able to run on the Switch, and that's the only reason it was. Other than that, I think the attempt at what they did is is you know deserves to be recognized. But it's once again, I'm not I'm not even necessarily knocking Game Freak. I'm knocking Nintendo on the hardware side of things to just just creating limitations around IPs that could be so much more. And the argument that that Johnny Riot is posting in the you know in the chat about well Pokemon sells and they sell like crazy and they don't need to be pretty and they don't need all this stuff it's like right I get that but if it was then the say like I, I guess my whole point is that there are plenty of people that don't play Pokemon for the reason that I'm saying yeah you could guess what there's enough human beings on this planet that you don't need the people like me that want a pretty Pokemon game to buy your game I get it but if you did. You would set records that you've never set before because all your people that don't care about pretty Pokemon, guess what? They're still going to buy Pokemon. And then all the people like me are going to buy Pokemon. So, like, there's still a point I'm making here. You know, I'm not saying that Pokemon's not going to survive if they don't make their games pretty and run smoother. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is it's just lazy bullshit that, that, that we're still complaining about this. When we have seen other games, even in the Nintendo realm, advance considerably. Well, I feel like other games have been have had stunted growth due to hardware limitations. And that drives me nuts. What does make me wonder if it is on Game Freak? You know, if we see other Nintendo core franchises or we see things that AAA developers can achieve on the hardware, what is stopping um, Game Freak from utilizing different different methods of game design to make the world more immersive? Because that's what it is to me. I, I don't I don't necessarily care um, to call to, to call a game pretty or not. But if visually, if I'm watching the windmill, the frame rate drop on a windmill that's spinning, it takes me out of the immersion. Or in, again, going back to Arceus, if I'm walking through this like plane that's supposed to be populated with these Pokemon and it just kind of looks bad, it takes me out of the immersion. I don't need 4K ray tracing Pokemon. I don't need it right now. Right. 
but but if if the world that's created for me to explore doesn't doesn't enthrall me like if i'm not excited to actually explore the world that takes me out of that takes me out of it a little bit and so you know i can look at some of these screenshots for scarlet and violet and go okay like there's things about this that visually look appealing and i don't want to damn this game because it's built on the rcs engine because what i saw in the trailer i like at least a little bit more than what was presented in rcs but you know, once we see more than the the pretty highlight reel, could I have some of the same concerns for Generation 9? Potentially. But really what I just want is I want to feel like the world creates the adventure that I want to go on. I don't want to feel like I'm running around in a, a barren wasteland. I want to feel like I'm on an immersive journey. And that's what's made other open world games, even on the Switch, be exciting and be fun. Yeah, we're literally talking about Arceus, which came out months ago. And, you know, again, it sucks that you have to, it sucks that you get compared against this, but it is your, it is Nintendo versus Nintendo. And, and unfortunately, y when you go and build a, uh, an open world, be, be it not truly full open or not, you're, you get compared against Breath of Wild, which is five years old and a superior game. Mm -hmm. Still. And so, like, you know, I mean, and, and, and Arceus is your first attempt at trying to go this route. So hopefully Scarlet and, um, why, what's the other one? <laughs> Violet. Yeah. Violet, uh, improves on that. But like, I just, uh, yeah, I, you know, and, and I'm not saying everyone, everyone feels like me, but I, I am that fringe Pokemon fan. I've I've had moments where I've been really really into Pokemon and I'm at this moment right now where I am really really out of Pokemon. And so you know, I appreciate the franchise for what they've done and you know, we're we're about to talk about something that I do like about this announcement coming up, but you know, the gameplay is just it's played out. The games aren't the aren't you know, for me do I need do I need 4K Pokemon? No, I need when I say pretty guys, I guess I should have been better at explaining it. I need a just a game to run well. I mean, hell, I love Metroid. Metroid Dread had really really rough moments that the Switch just couldn't handle it again. Metroid Dread should have looked better. It should have looked better. Did I love the game? Yeah, I did. But like I'm still going to sit here and tell you guys that this is the problem right now that exists within the entire world that is Nintendo right now. And and the reason why Pokemon's getting the, the blunt end of it right now is because they just announced another new game after they just released a game that didn't do it. Like, I looked at it, and I literally messaged, I messaged Butterboy here. I was like, so what do you think? Should I buy this? And he told me no. I did. So, you know, like... That's why I'm. That's why I'm being taking a very aggressive stance here. But um, yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully this will be be a step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna play it regardless. Um, and you know, again, I'm just I'm just hoping for a good experience because overall, I still, you know enjoyed what i got out of sword and shield it i had plenty of complaints about it but i still put a hundred hours into the game and had fun with it 
And so if they can deliver on that aspect of this, um, because I still thought that was better than I didn't like, I didn't like sun and moon. Like it's a generation that was flat. i say I didn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they can continue the upward trajectory of still making something that's fun, I'm, I'm excited about it. And what I know is going to be fun is raising the starter Pokemon. So they did show off our three starter Pokemon. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty excited because uh, one of them has a hundred percent stolen my heart. So there are, <laughs> Everyone's there heart. are yeah, <laughs> I mean, so far, some of the, the, I feel like two of them, one of them has gotten a ton of hype. The other one's got some hype and no one is talking about the first one I'm talking about, which is Springatio. These are, again, allegedly supposed to be Spanish-esque or whatever, and I don't speak any foreign languages, but it is a grass cat. Very cute. My only problem I have with it is we had a cat starter just two generations ago yeah. in uh, in Sun and Moon. So so that's that's a concern is this does look like Litten just as a grass Pokemon. Now, I'm sure it won't evolve into a badass wrestling cat, but that is that is a concern. Uh, one of the other one, the water starter is Quaxley, which looks like a sassy water duck. Um, so there's some, there's some love for Quaxley and I can understand that, but the real star of generation nine Pokemon is without a doubt going to be our guy, uh, Fuecoco. Yeah. Yeah, he who he, is a fire crocodile. Yeah, hell yeah. The second hell I yeah. the second I saw it, I saw I watched the whole trailer. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then they, then they show the the starters, and I saw him right in the middle, and I was like, shit. Like I, I literally was just like, damn it, I'm buying this game for this one Pokemon. Like this is how you this is how they get oh, me. Dude. This is how they I get me. I need a flush of it. I need a flush yeah. of it ASAP. Now I will take I will I will stand by my my comment here. The duck is is dumb. I don't like the duck at all. The duck is basically Mario and it turned into a duck. Like I, I hate the duck. The cat It does it does look like Mario's hat. I didn't know. Yeah, that. it's Mario's hat which you know and and like um like I I just I don't care for the duck at all. Um maybe maybe it evolves into something cool. I don't know, but the cat I'm like you know, I'm lukewarm with like whatever. Like you said, we just had a cat not that long ago. This cat, you know, it, it looks kind of similar. Um, I do it's know that I, I do know the cat evolutions can can be usually pretty cool because they generally get pretty, you know, um, sleek and, and 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 yeah, ferocious and aggressive, you know. So, but at the same time, it is a grass starter, and uh, most of the time, I'm I'm not leaning towards a grass starter, anyways. So. But I did last mo- generation. My guy, most my of guy the time. Grookey was so good. Yeah. Well, I went the last time I went grass would have been uh, Rowlet, right? Mm-hmm. Just because yep. and it was one of those things like I connected to it because it was owl and I, and I was all into it. But um, but yeah, I mean the croc here is so good, so good. Like, ah, uh, man, it, it's one of those ones that like he's so good that like I'm worried that his evolutions are gonna, are gonna just be nowhere near how good he is in the starter form. Uh yeah, if they're just ass. If they're just if they're just terrible, I'm gonna be heartbroken. Uh I'll be so sad. Yeah. But um but yeah the starters definitely brought hype um around it which was cool and 
you know, now we kind of have to wait to find out more about this game as the year goes on. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, we'll see. Yeah. So, you know, there was other stuff shown off at the, uh, the Pokemon direct, some, uh, Pokemon unite stuff, Pokemon go stuff. Uh, I don't know. We don't need to get, we don't need to get into the weeds on that, but we can definitely talk about in the Pokemon channel in the gamezilla discord, uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet are out uh, this November, and uh, yeah, just hit my microphone. So that is what I got. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been an extra long episode, so let's go ahead and wrap it up. Let's let's thank our patrons one more time. Yeah, thank you so much to our patrons for supporting us. Patreon.com slash GameZilla Media is where you can go to become a patron and keep this podcast up and running for you. And uh, I got to give a shout out to Johnny Riot, who hung out with us the whole show here in the live channel. And Super Lars in here, too. So, so, um, yeah, guys, thanks for hanging out and participating in the show. And if you want to be in the live recording stage here in the GameZilla Media Discord, become a patron. Yep, absolutely. And uh, thanks for everyone who tuned in. Um, remember, you can listen to the show on all your major podcast outlets, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever it is you listen to podcasts, just search Games Little Podcast and hit that like, hit that follow, give us five stars, leave us a review. Helps us out so much. So, all right. Thanks for thanks for hanging out on episode 367 of the GameZilla Podcast, your elite free DLC for all your gaming news. And until next time, game on. Game on.